Welcome to Lawyers Coach. Lawyers Coach is a series of podcasts that aims to find out what makes lawyers tick. Each episode features myself, Claire Rayson and Oliver Hansard, both former lawyers and now coaches, interviewing a range of legal leaders to find out what success means and looks like in law. Lawyers Coach challenges lawyers to think differently and be inspired by their colleagues and peers. In this episode, Oliver Hansard will be talking to Susan Lamb. Susan is Group Records Manager at Shell. As well as being responsible for Shell's global compliance programme for records management, she is passionate about developing a culture of care in Shell Legal and ensuring that lawyers thrive. She talks to Oliver about well-being, resilience and, of course, why she became a lawyer. I can't honestly remember when I first had the idea, but it was pretty young, I think. And um, I, I, I think it must have been some television program I saw or something. But I also had a very ambitious mother. And she said, <laughs> you can either be a doctor, dentist or a lawyer. I am really squeamish and uh, really discovered that really early on. So being in the medical profession wasn't going to fly. And then um, I did some, you know, some school uh, placement in a solicitor's, uh, a little solicitor's practice in, in Gloucester, actually, which is where I came from. I just really enjoyed it. And I could see that it would involve people and problem solving. And I knew those are the sorts of things I like doing. So, yeah, so I did my science A-levels and then decided I'm going to apply for law school. But I did, I did have um, a little bit of a, a sort of setback. Uh, when I was uh, 17, I had a car accident and I just started my second year of A-levels and I broke my back, basically. It was a pretty bad car accident and I ended up being in hospital for um, a good three months. I didn't get the A-level grades that I wanted. I had a place at Exeter to do law. I did have good grades to do the sciences. So I went, yeah, I got a place uh, through clearing to do chemistry and biology at uh, London University. While you were doing your undergraduate studies, you were always holding that idea that you, you, would, you would do the conversion and go into law in due course. Yes. Yeah, I was really focused. I, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do because of this experience I'd had. And so I actually then did a, I did a, took a, another turn and I did a, a master's in food science and management. Oh, wow. for a year and I did that because I thought gosh getting into laws seems quite difficult I didn't really appreciate that when I started out it's quite difficult to do so if I can't get into law I'll give it one more go I'll do food science as a career because that was my second choice if you like and um, yeah but then I got in and I did the conversion course in London and then did the finals and um, yeah did my articles at uh, Norton Rose as it was known then how did you find Norton Rose? How did you find doing your articles or training contracts, sorry, in the, in the city? Yeah, I love the variety. I really enjoyed, obviously, the intellectual property part of my, uh, you know, my, my seats. I did a seat in litigation on working on intellectual property. But then I also then um, really enjoyed my property seat, which was ultimately then where I qualified into. And was that an easy choice, the property role? There were two people uh, going for one place in the intellectual property uh, newly qualified jobs. And um, yeah, the other person got that. And I got my second choice, which was property. Okay. You know, it's funny because you look back in life at these things that, that happened to you that perhaps weren't your first choice things to do. Um, so I qualified at the height of, um, well, the height of the property crash, really. 
uh, I, I didn't have a lot of work to do during my uh, my first couple of years in property I must admit um, I got I got some good quality training um, but it wasn't uh, full-on uh, working long hours type thing at all in fact um, I do remember walking past some of the assistance rooms and they were they were reading books because they literally had no work wow. to do but Norton Rose stuck with you they stuck yeah. with the talent that they had they did. And actually, you know, it really paid off. It paid off for them, but it also paid off for me because when I was um, four years qualified, there was the height of the boom again. And everybody, there were very few of us around in the market, four year qualified property lawyers. So, um, yeah, it paid off really in the end. And was that when you moved on to McFarland's? Yes. Yeah, I went to McFarland's um, and I wanted to work for a smaller, more... Um, well not boutique but definitely a smaller feel type firm and did you get that kind of smaller feel in the firm yeah definitely it, it delivered what you were hoping for yeah definitely it was it's a really friendly firm I mean they're, they're I don't know if they still have the um, phrase they say punch bigger than their weight right. and they um, and they you know really high quality lawyers and high quality clients yeah now I really enjoyed my time there actually and um, I was sad to leave Although um, I did want to do something different. I didn't want to stay in private practice forever. And what was driving that? I think I got fed up with um, just seeing part of the transaction. And, um, you know, it was, you, know, you just get the heads of terms and, uh, you know, to buy an investment property for, a, and then, and then, and then, you know, you, um, you didn't see any of the bit beforehand and you didn't see any of it afterwards. I thought I was stuck, if I was honest, because there aren't many in-house property roles and I uh, didn't want to do a corporate, I didn't want to change into corporate work, although I was thinking I might have to if I was going to get that experience. Um, And then a colleague of mine um, had moved to Shell previously as a property lawyer and uh, yeah, she contacted me and said they're looking for someone else, so why don't you apply? And those early days, those early days of being in-house, can you recall the contrast or the, the major differences but having been at, in private practice? I was surprised because I, I, I found the quietness dis, disorientating and I felt that I, I was kind of on this busyness. You know, know what it's like. It's such a frantic existence in the law yeah. firm, billing yeah. and clients and the next thing that's coming. And, and, and it was much more, well, definitely much more relaxed and a much more um, quieter, calmer approach to doing things. And um, whilst you might say, gosh, that would be great. Actually, I, I found, I've really struggled with it to begin with. I almost okay. found it, um, gosh, have I done the right thing here? Is this the right? A pace you know what have I left behind yeah. um, but you know I um, I adapted and um, uh, you know I haven't looked back since then and so from there to, to where you are now in terms of group records manager mm. that's obviously a very different role you know what was your journey within Shell yeah so um, first of all it's not a very exciting job title is it group records manager and um, I do <laughs> sort of think that that when I when I tell people that's what I do at dinner parties and everything but um, <laughs> but um, I mean I mean I love my role and I'll maybe I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute but yes yeah. I um, I I did um, work for Shell UK business um, dealing with property environmental matters and then um, then I went on maternity leave I had uh, twins actually whilst I was away um, there was a, a, a bit of a, a, an event in Shell's corporate history relating to the miscategorization of their reserves. It was a huge um, event uh, that changed uh, the company completely. 
and um, there were lots of things needed to be done uh, in terms of uh, that uh, uh, that challenge afterwards. And so what I did, what I was um, asked to do in that time was implement um, information management uh, compliance um, as a, a kind of add-on to my property work, right. but something that I could do um, uh, to fit in my three days as well. Okay. So um, I started doing that uh, for, for that role. And then uh, long story short, um, we needed a permanent role doing that for the group and the role of group records manager was established. And yeah, I applied for it and got it. And um, I, um, you know, I, I really enjoy that role, uh, this role, it's, it's, it's changed. I've been doing it now for, well, gosh, maybe 12, 13 years. And um, the you know, information management compliance has become, you know, just increasingly complex, increased regulation, higher profile um, high, really high well profile yeah yeah so have you had to employ a whole range of skills that um sort of non-legal behavioral skills in delivering that role effectively there's not a lot of pure black letter lawyering in my role um there is there's definitely some but it's the influencing uh, behaviors that uh i have i have had to learn that's really about very much understanding uh, you know who you're talking to and their perspective and um, I think that's uh, a really important behavior for all lawyers as well but in my role it's um, it's not about giving advice in that context it's more about um, explaining you know the benefits and the downsides of, of doing something that the business want to do and then working together to um, come up with a, a way forward that works for both them and for me. So I imagine that the, the Shell legal team is, is, is quite large. Does that feel like it's your own law firm within a, in a corporate or does it really feel part of the business? What's the, what's the culture and the feel of the, the legal team at Shell? Yeah, so it is quite large. We have about um, 1,200 staff across the, the, the group. So um, it is like a mini law firm. Um, I personally don't feel like I'm in a mini law firm in the company. I um, it doesn't have that feel at all for me. I mean, you might find a different answer from one of my colleagues. It's um, it, it, it feels that we're very integrated as part of the company, and we we all have the same. We we you know we go through the same um, you know annual cycle of appraisals and goal setting. We have the same, as I talked about, leadership qualities that we're judged on. And, um, you know, we're judged not just on what we do in terms of our job and what we deliver, but also on, on how we do that. It's as important how you do things as what you do. And I really like that. And I, you know, that's one of the things I was really looking for um, when I moved into a company like Shell is because behaviours and how you treat people and how you um, get the results is so important. Yeah, and that's a and fantastic culture. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that. I mean, I'm quite evangelical about it. I do really enjoy um, my my role, and you know. But as I say, obviously, you know, I'm only one person. But I, mm. I also um, I work very closely with the business, um, as I say, across all my stakeholders. So that definitely helps me. Um, not feel that I'm sort of part of a, a law firm and my boss isn't a lawyer 
um, either. So, you know, yeah. And I know one of the things you're really passionate about is the care program in the Shell Legal Team. Tell me about that. Tell me how that came about in the first instance. Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, I've always, um, thought that, um, uh, you know, we, we need to look after ourselves and, and I, um, you know, as I think you've heard, I, I have learned resilience and, and to adapt and to do all those kind of things that, um, you know, keep you going. And resilience is a, is a topic that, um, I, as I say, I learned very early on with my, when I had my car accident and everything. And, um, I, I just, um, it, I don't know, it just came to my attention that, uh, uh, a lot of the press were talking about, um, how lawyers in particular are, um, the profession is, is prone to, uh, depression, um, anxiety, um, substance abuse and, and alcoholism and all those sorts of things. And the, I started sort of digging a bit deeper in my own uh, department, my own function. And you know how things happen. The one week I think I got three out of offices from colleagues who are basically off on long-term stress. Yeah. And um, I talked to my line manager about this and he said, yes, we're looking at this in the leadership team where we want to you know, understand what's going on here. And um, and then there was the report produced uh, late last year or middle of last year that talked about uh, one in five junior lawyers uh, who who completed the survey one month before had had suicidal thoughts. One in five who'd completed it. And then um, and I'd also done quite a lot of work in in Shell. We I mean we're we're ably supported. We have a Shell Health and they have a Human Performance and Care Department which um, support um, business and functions to, uh, to get the best out of their people and, and well-being. And, and so I did a few things. I reached out to them and uh, I was also doing a lot, a lot of work um, with my team on resilience, which is another topic that uh, the Shell Health team had put some tools together to help with. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought, you know, we, we, it, it's not about... Um, you know, big changes. It's it's little tweaks in mindset and um, uh, health way of lifestyle that you can all we can all make that make things better and make a difference for us. And um, when you dig deeper into the the you know the the statistics around lawyers, they have particular character traits that uh, lend themselves, unfortunately, to you know not very strong mental health states at times there we tend to be pessimistic we're um uh, uh workaholic workaholicism if that's a word um and we, we uh, tend to be have a, a, a big feeling of imposter syndrome not being good enough the fear of being found out and um you know you can we can all make a difference to ourselves by actually you know giving us a break and being positive about what we achieve and 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 so and to each other and watching out for each other so that's what i started uh last year was a a program around um really showing care in legal for our colleagues and uh, for ourselves and uh yeah it really took off actually and i i won the the, what was it the uh, legal leadership team's uh prize for um ethics and compliance and safety last year for for my work in care yeah it was was obviously well received Mm. um what what 
what was it in practical terms? What did it feel like to receive that that care? Yeah, so it was um, it was really about just a raising awareness of um, different things that people could do to uh, look after themselves better. Um, obviously, I mean, we had, I had all the benefit of all the resources from the Human Performance and Care Team in Shell Health. So it's about making um, uh, uh, legal aware of those resources and um, we're divided into departments and lots of the departments were doing good work on this as well pointing things like care ambassadors mental health um, ambassadors and it was about just sort of sharing that around and some best practices and then I also did a few of these um, podcasts to um, talk about different aspects of health and well-being and um, we also do with Shell Health again. We do uh, a module called uh, "What is Care, a Caring Leader," and so we work with teams to really discuss because because care and well-being is is actually quite it's where it's a very personal thing. What is care to one person might not be care Absolutely. to another. Yeah. Um, and teams have different dynamics, micro dynamics, if you like. So. What we would do is we if a team would, was, was, was wanting us to, uh, we, we'd go into one of their meetings and we'd ask them, you know, what does care, what's it like when you feel cared for? Yeah. And yeah. then, and what's it like when you not feel cared for? And then it's kind of funnel those down to, well, what are the behaviours when you don't feel cared for? And what are the behaviours when you do feel cared for? And then um, coming out with maybe just three action points that the team can can do it may be as simple as well just checking in with each other a bit more and um or it may be um having some some sessions on um, sleep and wellness in the team meeting to educate people about good sleep routines and things i mean it could be whatever the team wanted it to be i mean you know the work-life balance thing is is a big issue for everyone these days i think especially at the moment when we're most of us are working from home still and where the balance fits is quite difficult but just um you know making it clear i mean perhaps um perhaps as a as a line manager you know you you have a work-life balance which means you, you do catch up with things on a sunday morning but then communicating to the team that just because you get an email from me on a Sunday morning doesn't mean you have to act on it. In fact, I don't want you to act on it. Only act on it if it fits in with your work-life balance. So as you've been through your legal career, have you ever had in your, your mind a model of what success might look like and therefore you know, played towards a particular goal in, in your career? I had this feeling you know, when I was younger that you kind of I used to say so I'm not going to sell my soul to become a partner in a city firm I that won't be success for me success is a really interesting demanding job that gives me keeps me learning and keeps challenging me and, and yes even putting me out of my comfort zone but I can leave it at a, a, a decent o'clock in, in the day and then do the other all the other things I want to do in my life for me now, though, the well-being part of it is about, for me, it's about giving back. So success for me is now is about really helping people as much as, um, you know, doing my, my uh, you know, my day job as well. That sounds, does that sound a bit cheesy? No, it's great. And, and I suppose the follow-on question from that is, any tips for somebody trying to work out what their model of success might be? 
always look at um, you know your your um, values. What what is really important to you in your life? Because um, you know there's a lot of positive psychology which says if you you live with your by your values and and your strengths and, and what are you good at, then that well, that is where you'll find happiness. The other thing I would say is, you know that sort of career trajectory of law firm partnership is 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 just one tiny line of career that you can do in with law you may be listening to this and thinking oh but i can only ever do law because that's what i'm trained to do and i never do anything you've got so many skills as a lawyer that you just don't realize you've got so um don't let that be the the, the, the reason for not doing something different that was oliver hansard speaking to susan lamb and oliver joins me now Oliver, I think what really struck me from that conversation was just how much Susan believes in giving back and, you know, how much she's really working towards care and well-being. She kind of mentioned there an award that she won for her work in care. You can really see that the successes that she's had in that area mean so much to her. I think that's right. And I think what she's been able to do is to blend that into her working life really effectively and and one has supported the other which gives her a a really enriching experience at Shell. And one of the things that I picked up on was you know was where she was talking about tweaks in mindsets um, and you know the small things that can make things so much better for everyone and I think sometimes you know well-being, resilience, these are things that can seem pretty big and unmanageable but you know that kind of message of actually if we just make small changes it can have a massive impact on everyone um, I think is a really powerful one. I think that's right and and that almost redefines success for her such that you know yes she's able to to do great work as a lawyer in the organisation but the fact now that she's been able to have all that positive impact on her colleagues I think has really made the whole shell experience for her far more um far more enriching and probably a form of success that she hadn't anticipated when she started out and i I just think that's a, a really great story and then the other thing that i thought was really interesting um from your conversation with susan was when she drew out some of the traits that lawyers um have so um and and interestingly i can probably associate with all three um but being pessimistic um being a workaholic having imposter syndrome um is that something that you see when you're um coaching lawyers and and how true do you think that is i think that's widespread all those those three characteristics are almost endemic in lawyers and and that's maybe part of what the driver of of success for many people is but what i took from susan is if you become aware of those if you're honest about those you can manage them effectively and that actually makes you a a healthier person and a a better lawyer you know fair play to her and for her giving her colleagues in the business support on those issues I I just think that's really admirable and I think imposter syndrome for me is the most interesting one because I think you know it's one of 
one of those things that I think is is being talked about more widely now because I guess one of the things with imposter syndrome is you don't want to shout about it so it's interesting you know following on social media or talking to people that there's a real recognition of of this as something that exists and something that people struggle with um, and I think it's something that we can all relate to I've certainly had moments in in my career where I've I've thought that I, I shouldn't be there and you know I'd be found out um, and and with all these things as you say, I think it's raising awareness of them helps recognise, okay, well, maybe it's just me falling into this trap and, and not getting sucked into it rather than, you know, holding back because you think that maybe you're not good enough. Maybe the starting point should be that there should be an expectation that imposter syndrome is the norm and you're unusual if you don't have it. And if that can, you know, as I say, be a starting point, then maybe that's going to give more people more confidence particularly earlier on in their careers thanks ollie that's certainly left me with lots to think about and thank you for interviewing susan and for for raising awareness of some of these issues that i think we need to be talking about more as a profession and thank you for listening to this episode of lawyers coach lawyers coach is brought to you by client talk and hansard coaching If you're enjoying this series, please rate us on your podcast provider so that others can find us. If you're a lawyer and would like to take part in Lawyers Coach, please visit our website, lawyercoach.co.uk, for further details. And you can also join the conversation on our LinkedIn group, Lawyers Coach. If there are any topics you'd like to hear us discuss, then just get in touch.